Now we're in Mark chapter 7. We're going to finish off the Gospel of Mark chapter 7 and start in chapter 8, the first few verses today, if I ever get to it. So let's pray and let's... I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to read... um, Verse 31 to the end of the chapter, and then we'll pray. And then I'll read chapter 8 when we get there. And Okay, uh, give your attention to the reading of God's Word, if you would. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue and looking up to heaven he sighed and saith unto him Ephatha that is be open and straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loose and he spake plain and he charged them that they should tell no man but the more he charged them so much the more a great deal they published it and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Father, I pray that you take this, this portion of Scripture and bless it to our hearts and to our understanding. Lord, we would not uh, continue to be deaf, dumb, or blind. We would, continue, we would understand, we would grow in the things of the Lord. And I pray your Spirit would be uh, freely uh, moving among us, Lord, to awaken us in understanding and a hunger for your word. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, last week, the Syrophoenician woman, he healed her of the demon that was possessing her. And that was in Tyre and Sidon. Verse 31 says he's departing from there. So he's back in Galilee, uh, in Israel proper, at the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Decapolis, ten cities is what it means. So it's not, it, it's talking about, you know, neighborhood, uh, 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 not just one little town. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Uh, every time I talk about this, I get kind of, because I have a son who's deaf, uh, almost entirely deaf. So uh, we were learning sign language. By the way, deaf is, can't, talk, can't hear, or it's, uh, it's totally deaf, can't hear at all. Uh, There's also HH, heart, H, heart of hearing, uh, or hearing impaired, uh, no it's J, uh, hearing impaired, so there's, you know, HI, there's a lot of different ways to say it. I think this is kind of like when you say like can't speak, can't hear. If you can't hear, it always affects your speech. Here we don't know if the guy's absolutely stricken with dumbness, you know, mute, can't, can't speak. I don't like the word dumb because it sounds like you're dumb, you know what I mean? So uh, I was talking to somebody how you can easily get into trouble saying words that used to be okay and now they're not okay because it's every time you line up for a field goal, they move the goalpost and you're saying something and it's, you're saying it right from the heart like, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but your, your words are offensive now. Uh, I think dumb is kind of one of those uh, mute, can't speak, whatever, however you want to say it, okay? <clears throat> they bring him. Why? He has some friends. You know, it reminds me of the four guys who let the, the guy who couldn't, he, he was uh, on the cot there, or the, 
whatever you want to say. They let him down through the roof of Jesus' Bible study. That was back in, oh, I think it was chapter 2 or chapter 3. You remember that? Good to have friends that bring you to Jesus. And I'm sure they woke up one day, hey, you know, Jesus in the air. Hey, let's go grab, what's his name? I, I, I don't know, right? We're not, we're not given his name. And they couldn't tell him, hey, we're going to see Jesus, because guess what? They didn't, he didn't hear. He had never heard of Jesus. Think about that. So he's in a world like dead end, hopeless, can't ever consider getting better because there's no one to make him better. He's, he's deaf and that's all there is to it. And I think deaf is a picture of deaf, not being able to hear. You know, Scripture talks about the God of this world has blinded our hearts that we might not. And blind, deaf, it, however you want to put it, you can't take in, you can't perceive, you can't listen to, you can't understand the Word of God. You're blind to it. You're, 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 it's falling on deaf ears. Well, that's a spiritual condition. Satan has a lot to do with that. Um, he's not indifferent towards our belief or lack thereof. And I've said that a lot of times. So he has these friends and they take him to Jesus. You can count yourself a friend if you keep bringing your friends to Jesus. Whatever that looks like, uh, for salvation, in prayer. Uh, do you have a friend who's actually deaf? Pray. Or, or they're just deaf to the things of the Lord. They've closed themselves off to the place where they won't listen to that. It's amazing to me, you know, because I, I have, actually have the opportunity to talk to some people. So uh, hell's nasty. It's uh, outer darkness. There's wailing, there's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth. Uh, the worm doesn't die. You're just totally isolated forever. Or do you want to be in heaven, you know, where uh, there's joy evermore. That's what Scripture says about, you know, at the, thy right hand are joys evermore. Uh, so which one do you want? Oh, I don't know. Let me think about it. <laughs> I'm like, are you listening? to what? I'm, they, they can't hear. They can't perceive. They can't get hold of it. I've seen it. I've seen it right here. I've, I've, I've spoken the Word of God, and you've got two people sitting right next to each other, and, uh, and this, this one here, he's just like all undone, or he's, you know, taking it all in. You can see it's having an effect, and the one right next to him, just like, you know, gee, uh, what kind of lights are these? Uh, I wonder if there's a... Just not even with us, thinking about kickoff later on or wherever, just a million miles away. And they could be sitting, like I say, side by side. An incredible thing. Uh, to hear the Word of God or to not hear the Word of God or to perceive it or not to perceive it. Now, this man is, is physically deaf, but I think it's a picture of a spiritual condition. You know, where uh, John Newton sings in Amazing Grace, we sang that, I once was blind, but now I see. Did John Newton have a physical sight problem where he couldn't see and, you know, he had a white cane and a dog and people were leading him around by the hand? No, of course not. He was blind to the things of the Lord and then he was spiritually awakened and now he understood, he perceived, he saw as it were. So this is a picture of what we have here. So they bring him to Jesus and they, they beseech him to put his hand upon him. He's probably like, who's this guy? What's going on here? Because he doesn't know. He can't understand. Uh, he's never heard. He's literally never heard of Jesus Christ. Obviously, right? But his friends are intervening in his behalf and they're beseeching Jesus to put his hand on him. He took him aside from the multitude. I love that about Jesus. He's private. 
He don't, he don't want a circus. He don't want a sideshow. Uh, very often he's taken me aside. I think I'm very grateful for the times he does. You know what Jacob wrestles with? A man till the break of day? In, in my thinking, that's Jesus Christ. And God wants to wrestle with his sons. Oh, he does. He works on his, with his daughters different, but his sons he likes to wrestle. Well, God doesn't want to wrestle with his boys when they're little kids. We love it. Uh, God loves to do that too. And he wants to pin us. He wants to get us to a point where we understand when we come to the end of ourselves. Aren't you glad, guys, that he does that privately? He's not trying to humiliate us. He doesn't do that in front of everybody. Aren't you glad about that? I mean, really, if you think about it. Now, don't run through that stop sign because it may be at the end of that that he might humble you publicly if you keep not listening to the private messages. But he wants to be private with us. He has a, he has a, a one-on-one relationship with us. And I love that about the Lord. Now, um, he took him aside from the multiple. He put his fingers in his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. Now, I know what you all are thinking. Yuck. He's not spitting on his tongue. He didn't spit on his fingers and stick them in his ears. He brought his hands up to his ears. It, it, and it, it, it could mean everything from to his ears, near his ears, in his ears, jammed up. Listen, do you know Jesus at all? He doesn't like, this guy doesn't understand what's going on. And Jesus grabs his fingers and just jabs him in his ears. Think that's true. He's, what is he doing? He's using sign language, and American sign language hasn't been invented yet. He's like, he spits. Having spat is what the Greek says. He touched his tongue. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, I can't hear. He doesn't have those words. He doesn't have the vocabulary. But he knows what Jesus is talking about. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And Jesus, I love this, I love this. He looked up to heaven, he sighed. You do that? I do it very often. <laughs> My wife always reminds me, what are you sighing about? Life, because I'm thinking about stuff, I'm thinking about friends, I'm thinking about family, I'm thinking about the way the wor- world is trending. I'm thinking about the Antichrist spirit, alive and well on planet Earth in 2022. I'm thinking about a place we've never been before. I'm thinking about perilous times, and very, very, very often I sigh. We're driving down the road, and I go, because <sighs> I think about stuff. I know stuff. I can't ignore stuff. I know like a lot of things are trending really bad. Adam, you're a really pessimistic person. No, I'm not. I mean, I, if I was, I'd, 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 I'd cash it all in. Forget it. Jesus, I'm coming now, whether you're ready for me or not. I, 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 but I'm not. I'm not. I'm optimistic. I think God is doing some stuff. But I look and I, I look. Listen, uh, uh, have you been praying for somebody for, uh, they get saved for five years? Nobody. Ten years. Okay. How about 20? Few hands, less hands all the time. Okay, how about 43? Oh, guess who has? Do you get a little tired? Do you get a little exasperated? Do you groan? Do you sigh? I I don't watch the news because I would sigh all the time. I see the whole world upside down. I see wrong is right now and right is wrong. We used to be innocuous at best. Oh, and then people down at the church, oh, they're cute, whatever. They got their, that's what their entertainment is. Now we're harmful. Now we're virulent. We're bad. We're a virus that has to be crushed. They don't even believe 
Them people down there believe there's only two genders. Can you imagine such a thing? And they think like if, if gay people married, that would be wrong. We're, we're, see how, overnight we became bad people. I didn't, I didn't change my views on these things. The world changed their views. I didn't. We're not just innocuous anymore. We, we, have, to, we're, we're, we have to be eliminated. And they have their plans. The world's never been a friend to grace, but we've had a measure of freedom here that we see eroding right before our eyes. Yeah, I, I sigh a lot. Jesus is sighing. What's he saying to the man? They're playing this game of charades, right? Your ears. Yeah. Your tongue. Spit is disdain, in my thinking. Okay, he didn't spit in his face. He didn't spit on his hand. and touch. He, he doesn't need to do that. We all know about the time he spit, made a little mud paste. He puts it in a guy's eyes and says, go wash and salome, means scent. There's a, we'll, we'll take that up when we get there. He doesn't, Jesus isn't the spit healer guy all the time. I've read commentary like the, 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 the uh, spit of a holy man was considered, and I'm thinking, shut up, what? Jesus isn't a holy man, he's God. He doesn't need to spit and heal somebody that way. You know, sometimes he just, he, he talks to the lady and her daughter is healed back at the house. Same with the centurion servant, you remember? He doesn't do it the same way all the time. Why? Because we'd be all spitting all the time. Oh, somebody's coming here for healing. Wait, <clears throat> I'm kind of dry. Give me some more. You know, we, we don't do it that way all the time because we don't want to. I don't think Jesus is, is trying to stop. The spit means disdain. Look, he touches his ears. He spits. He touches his tongue. And he goes, and the guy gets what he means. He doesn't have the words for it. He doesn't have the vocabulary for it. He hasn't built the vocabulary. He, hasn't, he doesn't know words. The, he perceives people are moving their tongue and stuff and they're communicating. Somebody goes like this with their mouth and the other one you know, says something back and then he goes and does whatever. And he understands communication is happening that I, don't, I, ca- that I can't involve myself with because I can't hear what they're saying. Deaf is a problem. Imagine never hearing music, never hearing anyone tell them that, saying that they love you or they care about you or even ask about your welfare, how you're doing. Why is he sighing? Well, that's one of the test questions. That's one of the homework questions. For my money, he's sighing because this is sin. This is, this is what, he didn't make people Deaf to begin with. He gave us paradise. And this is one of the effects of sin. I'm not saying this guy's a sinner. Please, we've talked about this at length before. This guy is a sinner, like you and me and like everyone we know. He is a sinner. But that's not why he's deaf. He's deaf for whatever reason. And Jesus is just like, you know, when he cries at Lazarus' tomb, this is, this is sin. Look at what sin does. I mean, sin in the general sense. He gave us paradise, never to die, never to experience things like deafness. In a fallen world, things like deafness and blindness happen. And he, looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he saith unto him, Ephesus, that is, be open. Who's he talking to? The guy can't hear him. 
Is he talking to God, telling God to be open? No, he's talking to ears that have never heard. He's talking to, they got them little bones in there, the anvil and there's the stirrup and those neural pathways that, you know, connect stuff to the brain so you can perceive sound and you can make sense out of it and you understand what somebody says. He's speaking to that whole whatever and he says, be open. And what happens? straightway his ears were open because he's Jesus y'all and when he says be open it's open you know I, I love the fact that demons are subject to him sicknesses are subject to him muscles that never work are subject to him he's the creator what he says goes I, I love that that's why I'm not I groan but I don't give up hope why because we worship the creator the one who can change everything the one who could change anything. And you have to praise God for that. Be open. Straightway his ears were open. The string of his tongue was loose. And he spake plain. You know how people who are deaf learn how to speak and they always sound off because they can't mimic what you're exactly. So they always sound quite, not quite. No, no, this man is articulate. This man has no accent, or maybe he's got one built in. He's got a whole vocabulary. He's never had one before. I mean, think about what's going on. Uh, when you're born, you can make sounds, but you can't make articulate sounds. What, you know, newborn baby has ever said, Mother, I'm hungry. I would appreciate uh, a meal now. No, you've got to learn how to say that. And you start off with Mama, Dada. And very, very easy syllables. That's how we arrange it so that kids can speak at, at the youngest of ages. And when they're one, uh, one in several months, you know, they usually either walk early or talk early. And rarely do, do kids do both. But now they start and they start talking. They, they see, you know, they imitate. And, they, and at, by the time they're three, they have kind of a language of like about 600 words at three. And that's how it works. You know, they, they build, they learn, they put sentences together, they frame concepts. He, he's never spoken. He can say, uh, Mother, I'm hungry. Uh, I think it's time for a snack. Uh, like right now. Just like, like he doesn't have to, he doesn't go through the dada phase or anything like Isn't that incredible? He's never heard these words. And he's got them all. There's a chemical library in his brain where he looks at that big ball of fire in the sky, and now he says, ah, the sun. He never heard the word. I think this is incredible. And I think it's incredible because, like, you know, Jesus, like, heals somebody who is lame from birth, and they've got to go, like, six months of physical therapy, and they've got to learn how to use those muscles, and they've got to learn how to walk. No, they're in dancing mode instantly. Jesus, when he heals, he, it, it's... Just think that all the way through. He gave us life lessons when he saved us. He, we were, no, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Like right now. Old things, they passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Like right now. Like instantaneously. It would be okay with me if he gave me like a step one, step two, step... Well, there is that in the Christian life. It's called growth. But I mean... He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. By degrees, no, you drop the whole thing in our lap. Go for it. I like that. He doesn't learn a vocabulary. He's got it all. He spake plain. He charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much more a great deal they published it. I don't understand this at all. I think it's just human nature. I don't know. 
don't tell anyone, they tell everyone. He tells us to tell everyone, we don't tell anyone. He should, probably should have told us. He probably should have like, you know, hey, you guys, I, I've saved you, but keep it on the down low, okay? And we'd be up there telling it. We would have changed the whole world by now, right? I'm guessing. Just Anyway, uh, they were beyond measure astonished because they never seen stuff like that. His friends were like hope, hoping this outcome, but did they dare to actually believe that would happen? Who, who knows? But here they are like, <laughs> this is incredible. I, Jesus very often makes me feel like, this is incredible. Don't lose the wonder of Jesus Christ. He saved you. You were going to hell. You were destined for a, a dismal eternity. He, he adopted you into his forever family. He made you a new creation. Don't lose the incredibleness of that. Let's keep going. They were beyond astonishing. He hath done all things well. I love that old hymn, He doeth all things well. He hath done all things, and that's where this word comes from. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. They wouldn't know that he could hear, because you can't get inside somebody's head and hear what they're hearing, but they could sure see him talk, and they'd never had a conversation with their friend. Now all of a sudden he's articulate. He knows all the words, and he's able to, hey guys, thanks, this is crazy. I appreciate it so much. This is like... Right? And he's able to say the things that, and it's, a, and it's a new day. And Jesus does that. He, he gives us a new day. His, his mercies are new every morning. Okay, chapter 8. Let's look at the first nine verses, and let's talk about this here. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own house, they will faint by the way, for divers of them have come from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. He commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples a set before them, and they did set uh, them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets, and they that uh, had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. Again, 4,000 men, it says in Matthew, and only Matthew and Mark has this feeding of the 4,000. There are some people... I hope it's not you. Very, very, very silly people who believe that the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 are the same event. That the disciples kind of just got it wrong. They're two different places. They're months apart. One's 5,000, one's 4,000. One's five loaves and two fishes. One is seven loaves and a few fishes. Um, they take up 12 baskets the first time. And those are little baskets, as you would think, like think about your lunch pail that you take to work every day. Uh, these uh, baskets here, there's seven of them, and they're big baskets. This is the type that Paul was let down over the wall in Damascus. It's a big basket, like a man could fit in. And they fill up seven of them. Um, now, but beyond all that, 
verse 17, verse 15 of the same chapter. He charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They reason among themselves, saying, it's because we have no bread. When Jesus knew it, he said to them, why reason uh, ye because you have no bread? Perceive ye yet not, perceive ye not yet, neither understand, have ye your heart yet hardened, having eyes see ye not, and having ears hear ye not? And do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among five thousand? How many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said seven. Jesus thinks it's two different events. So I'm just going to go with Jesus, okay? So anyone who thinks like this is the same, you're five minutes in a library. I just tell you, some people come out with those outrageous things. Anyway, two different events. Why? It happened two different times. And there were some differences. This is Gentile territory. Jesus feeds Gentiles? I'm sure uh, Matthew put it in his gospel because Matthew is written to the Jew. And I'm thinking he's poking his finger in the eye saying, our God cares about Gentiles also. By the way, aren't you glad, fellow Gentile? We're not like second-rate citizens in the kingdom of God. There's no Jew and Gentile. There's no black and white. There's no male and female. Uh, we're all like in, in equal footing at the cross. Aren't you glad about that? Because I really, really am. Uh, uh, you know, um, anyway, let's keep moving. Uh, the, in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat. Where is he? He's at the capitalist. He's in Gentile territory, and he's ministering to Gentiles. They have nothing to eat. Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Isn't that great? I always could talk about compassion. Calvary Chapel, we're men. We don't have feelings. We don't do feelings. We do facts. We, the scripture says it, and that's what we do. I agree with that to a very large percent. Tomorrow morning, you won't feel like going to work. Go anyway. You're a man. <laughs> we don't, we're not... We're not feeling based in the sense like well I just feel like and I don't care what God says because I just feel no 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 what God says is very important now here's God in the flesh with feelings compassion is a feeling I have I understand what's going on here they're hungry they've been with me three days so much so that you know the things that I'm teaching the miracles I'm doing are so important to them, they haven't gone home, got something to eat. They're with me these whole three days. They don't want to miss anything. And I know that they're hungry, and I care about them that they're hungry. And one of the questions is, why does Jesus have compassion here? And somebody's going to answer, well, because they don't have anything to eat, and if they go on their way fasting, they'll pass out because a lot of them came from far away. That's the wrong answer, okay? I'm going to give you the answer. That's the wrong answer. That's just, now we're just chasing around in a circle. Why does God have compassion at all is the question. Like, Adolf Hitler didn't have a lot of compassion. I just pick on somebody because <laughs> well, I won't get any pushback from that. Oh, he had a lot of compassion. Uh, yeah, and as he killed six million Jews. Lots of compassion there. Jesus is very compassionate. Are we? Because I think a lot of times we get accused of having no compassion, no love, no 
concern for anybody. I don't think that's true among this group here. I pray to God it's not true. Uh, above all things, we should have compassion. Our God is very, very compassionate. Aren't you glad? For God so loved the world. You say, well, that's not a feeling. That's an action. He chose to be self-sacrificial toward the world. Don't tell me there was no emotion involved whatsoever. Don't tell me there's no emotion here. You know, I like fact-based decision-making. I really, really do. But people rarely do it. People rarely do it. Most all our decisions that make a difference have emotion at the root of it. I'm sorry, they do. So much so now that people's feelings are more important than facts. Well, I, I feel like this is true, so it must be true. I don't care what you know, things like the Bible say, because my feelings tell me that. Now, that's altogether silly, and if you're that type of person, you, you, one day you'll be all on this side of the thing, and then when, when the, the, the masses move over here, now you have to go over there with them because you're, everything's all feeling-based. I go with the Word of God, and, but the decisions even I make, the, the, like if I determine I'm going to not do this or do this, and by the way, you know, here it is, the beginning of the year, we've got to make our uh, New Year's resolutions. I don't believe in them. I've never had much success that way. And the other thing, too, is if you find out you're a selfish jerk in July, don't wait till January to try to start changing. You know, you don't want to pray now, Lord, I'm really a selfish idiot. I'm thinking about myself all the time, and I don't want to be that way because I see how you're others-oriented, and I can't wait to January to fix this. We've got we to start working. Yeah, do that, right? And resolutions kind of like, one, you don't keep them, then you feel like a failure, and two, don't that, isn't... Aren't we like, isn't it like a vow and we're kind of have faith in our ability to keep what we resolve to do? I don't want you, you know, doing this and this is the year I'm going to go to the gym every day and I'm going to lose a million and five pounds and I'm going to be really healthy and I'm never going to swear again and I'm going to read my Bible five hours a day and you got all this whole list of stuff and the second day you fall flat on your face and now you're a loser and you hate yourself. I, I don't want that to happen, okay? Um, when God, the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart about something that needs to change, listen, because he'll do it privately because he's really good that way. He doesn't want to humiliate us. Listen to what he says. He's leading because that's why he wants to let you know. He, Adam, you're a selfish jerk. Stop being so selfish. Stop thinking. It's not all about you there, sweetheart. Not thinking about others. Your Lord, your Savior, had compassion on the multitude. You're supposed to have compassion. I'm like, and then when the Spirit of God's moving, my chances of success is I'm praying as I'm, and he'll point out things to me like, Adam, this is selfish. Don't do it this way. And it'll be, it'll have a lot better chance of success. And it's not me based on like, well, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. In me dwells no good thing. I've learned that a long, long time ago. So don't kind of, with those vows, kind of put them away. Just Anyway, I have compassion on a multitude. I want you to understand this because this is like the big thing today. This is the big, big, big idea. Jesus has compassion. I care about others. I'm here on a rescue mission to the Gentiles. He's teaching them. He's healing them. 
He's calling them to salvation. He doesn't want to just feed them. He wants to feed them. He wants to give them their daily bread in perpetuity forever like he's done to you, like he's done to me. He wants to give them all things pertaining to life and godliness. He wants to bless them abundantly. He wants, them, uh, he wants to be their God. He wants them to be his people. That's what he wants. He's not very secretive about it. When God loves us, it's... it's, it's there's a lot of cool things attached to it, is there not? He loves us, and it's like, oh, well, great, God loves us. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he loves us. So, again, he adopts us into his forever family. He gives us the right to be called sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. He changes everything. He gives us victory over sin, over, over fear, over, over bitterness, over... He, he, he's working our lives to bring all things to the place where he wants them. Oh, it's a great thing to be loved by God. I have compassion on the multitude. They have now been with me three days. They have nothing to eat. If I send them away fasting in their own house, they will faint by the way, for diverse of them have come from far. Why does Jesus have compassion? I don't know the answer. Why does he love? He loves because he loves. It's his nature, right? 1 John chapter 4, for God is love. I, I never answered that question in 40 years. I've never answered that question. Not, success, not to my own that I was satisfaction. He loves me because he loves me. And I always get to the point where, like, he knows me. He shouldn't. He says, you've got to live with it. I love you because I love you. Because I do. It's my nature to love. It's my nature to act towards you in a self-sacrificial manner, to serve you. Our God serves us. Incredible. Now I ask you when people, you want to get saved? Well, let me think about it. <laughs> really? Really? You want to think about it, right? Back to being deaf again. Anyway, how can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Now, we all wonder what verse 4 is doing there. I think there's a question of homework about this. What's verse 4? What is it even doing there? Didn't they just feed 5,000 a couple months ago? Out in the same thing, wilderness. Wasn't downtown where they could buy some food even. The marketplace. It's the same thing. Can God provide a table in the wilderness? Talk to the children of Israel. Talk to the 5,000. Talk to us. There's a wilderness right here where we live. Has he provided for us? Are you guys hungry this morning? Because I'll, I'll take you out to lunch, I promise. I just don't want to see you go hungry. Well, nobody here goes hungry. We, we, our problem is too much food. Our problem is the lack of it. You know, we got to throttle back a little. We eat way too much of it. We're not, we're not, we're not starving here. Isn't God good? Because I know that, you know, and I always have that question. There's a lot of places where food isn't as readily available as it is here. And I appreciate, I've, I've never been hungry. If I determine I want to fast for a season, that's me. That's not because my, my icebox is suddenly empty, my pantry, the shelves are bare. It's because I just want to take this opportunity to seek God and put food aside for right now because that's less important. I've never known hunger, not like where I couldn't, like I say, go to the cupboard and settle the issue. When we say we're hungry, 
Well, basically, usually say it's 12.30, I usually eat at 12. That's our hunger. Well, how can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? You know, it speaks to me of, as I was pondering over this and kind of praying and thinking about it, I've done this. God, I've prayed like in a, God, a situation where I was like in over my skis. God, you've got to show up like right now and you've got to help me. This is, this is catastrophic. This is going sideways. This is, please God, please show up and help me. Does he? Yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say you can boss him around. He's going to do exactly what you tell him. But he's very helpful. He's never left me high and dry. Things have happened in my life that, because God is God and he's, he's the sovereign. But I've never went to him, been unaided and unabetted. So he shows up and he fixes it. And the next time in that situation, I act like I'm running around like Henny Penny. The sky is falling. When in trouble, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. Just like, like there is no God who's never heard of my prayers before. And, and I go through the whole same histrionics just like before. You say, Adam, why do you do that? I don't know. Why, why do any of us do dumb things like that? Why don't we have such short memories when it comes to God being God and God being awesome in our life and God moving in in a blessing way and rescuing us and saving the day? And we say at that time, like, I'm never going to forget this ever, ever, ever. And then we kind of do, don't we? We need constant interaction with God, constant. I'm not saying he got to pour out a 4,000 person blessing every day in our lives. But we have to keep reading the word. We have to keep interacting with God. We have to keep praying. How many loaves have ye? Hey, go find a boy. That worked good last time. No, it's a different day. It's a different thing. How many loaves have ye? They had some. Um, seven. Before it was five. Does it really matter? Before it was two fish. Now it's a few. What's that? Three, four, five? We don't know, right? Does it matter? I mean, you're still talking about 4,000 people, men. And then there's women and children besides. And I don't know that if I start out with seven loaves, I've had any more advantage of starting out with five loaves. It's still a miracle of multiplication and blessing. When you don't have enough, you don't have enough. And a miss is as good as a mile, right? So here they have seven. He commanded the people to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves, gave thanks, and break. gave to his disciples to set before them. They did set them before the people. He gave them to his disciples, and they gave them to the people. Welcome to my life. I don't have anything for you. I do not manufacture. I don't have anything that's going to change your life for good and for God. I've got nothing. I'm a distributor. That's how you are. If you're giving something to somebody that's going to change their life, I bet it better have come from God. You don't have nothing either. We're distributors, brothers, sisters. That's all we got. We get the word of God, and, it will bless, and God will multiply it. And he will bless it. What will he bless about our opinion? Nothing. Your opinion is like mine. It's nothing. Opinions don't change people's lives. The word of God does. That's where the seed is contained. That's active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It will, take, it will hit that good soil. It will take root. It will grow. It will multiply. Your opinion doesn't do any of those. My opinion doesn't do any of those things. We're bread distributors. Get a verse in, okay? 
You don't have to say, well, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. You don't have to do that. Just say the verse. And you don't have to say it in King James English. It doesn't have any more power if you say F, okay? Thou F, you know, it, just say it. It's, it's, it's living, it's powerful, it's active. It will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So the disciples give out the bread. Uh, they had a few small fishes he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. How come we don't know how many fish he has? He doesn't want us to. Because then we're going to think, let's start doing the math, right? If you start with five and you get two and you get 5,000, but if you're Gentiles, you're going to go, yeah. it's not math, okay? It is. It's multiplication, but it's, <laughs> it's not math, okay? Just so you know. They did eat and they were filled. Same word, glutted. They ate till they couldn't eat anymore. Um, so we had pizza on Wednesday at work. I ain't going to tell you how many pieces I ate. It's all, I always eat more when it's free. Because, like, you know, I don't, I don't, don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. Uh, and it tastes better, too, somehow. I don't, I don't know, right? Uh, but we're not supposed to eat all we can. You got these buffets, all you can eat. Don't do that, okay? Or do it sparingly. We're not supposed to eat all we can eat. They did. But this is a culture that never does that. I mean, everything is like precious. They, you know, they have like a day's worth of food and they don't, they don't refrigerate, right? They can't store things lo- long term for a lot of, you know, a lot of time. Uh, so, you know, they eat and their, their resources are very precious. They don't eat till they can't eat anymore. I'm kings might or something like this, but the common folk didn't. They're probably thinking like, what's going on here? I never felt like this part is pretty good, I, you know. And I hope they have their stretchy pants because like, you know, with the kind I put on at Thanksgiving, you know, just because they were filled. Why? Because that's how God pig out. His blessings are... Just gives you just enough, just enough. Well, sometimes for a season, maybe he likes that so you can learn how to, you know, go through, learn how to, you know. I remember when, we were, when I first moved to Maine, I was working at a woolen mill for $4 an hour. <laughs> we didn't have a lot. Did I tithe? Yeah, at $4 an hour, four, a family of four. That's $160 before taxes, Right? That wasn't a big tithe check. Now the church can get by. Now the kingdom can roll forward. It's important to me to learn my priorities, and God didn't. Now, it, you know, $16, I mean $160. It's, uh, I think we make slightly more than that. I'm not exactly sure, but you know how he does? He blesses in this, okay, for a season, so you learn how to, you know, get by with a little. I think that's important. But that's not who he is. He's, he, he'll bless you as much as, you know, uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how he does. They did eat, they were filled. They took up the, uh, of the broken meat, the leftovers, because it was blessed, seven baskets. Seven big man-sized can fit in them baskets. There's two different words for baskets in the, the other chapter that we read. It's a basket like as you would think and this is like a basket big basket is that uh is that something well there's a question on your homework about that and it's kind of enters into like numbers and kind of you just have to read the homework and figure it out for yourself 
Uh, and they, they eaten were about 4,000. And then he sent them away. Because now they got a full stomach. Now they're going to get to home without uh, expiring or passing out or anything else. So now he sends them away. He's going on to his next, his next mission, his next ministry. Uh, so there it is. I hope uh, that this word finds you glutted this morning. That God's blessed you with as much as you need, as much as you want. He's given you all your heart's desire. He's spoken to you for another week and you're... It's sufficient, but don't wait the whole week for another. Tomorrow we'll start reading our Bible. and Again, if you need, need my number or something like that, I'm only going to invite the people who have asked me to invite them. Don't think you're on that just because you're on that. If you ask me to invite you, I will. And Like I said, I've got more. I, got more uh, I think it's 45 people, so I've got more room if anyone is, miss, is missing out. So let's uh, stand. I'll ask the blessing. Um, our uh, worship leaders will send us out of here in song. I've gone a couple minutes over, sorry. You should. Forgiveness is good. We covered a lot of ground, though. Father, we thank you for your word. I don't know, Lord, I feel sated. When I think about the compassion of our loving Savior. He loves, he loves us. I like that, Lord. I, uh, and Lord, our, our, our heart is toward you. We love you with all whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Help us to love our neighbors, ourselves. And may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.